guys, and welcome to the Real Biz Life Chronicles, where we chat about all things branding, life, and business. Today, we have Rudy Smith in the studio, and Rudy is Design Studio Perth's very own head graphic designer. Welcome, Rudy. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for having me. Only a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. So, Rudy, um, give us a bit about your background and how you landed up in the branding space. Well, I always liked anything linked to design and art. So I had design at school. I had art at school um, that followed with going to varsity uh, at the Open Windows School of Visual Communication, uh, where I studied graphic design, web design, and photography. Um, but I, I, I always wanted to start work re- at a really early age. So from about 16 years of age, I um, I had wow. my own did my own business at that stage, but it was really like freelancing. I did um, design work in the okay. evenings. And yeah, then after varsity, I started at a design firm as a senior graphic designer. I was really thrown into the deep end there. Um, uh, so I did that for 10 years. Um, and in the evenings, I still carried on doing freelance design work. Um, also started my own clothing brand in the evenings as well. So I basically had three jobs every day. Um, but I had this really good work. Yeah. So um, obviously, via word of mouth, I got clients abroad and clients over all over um, other countries. Um, and that landed me up at DSP eventually. And super, super happy that I got a call from Tracy at DSP. <laughs> awesome. So walk me through. So you said you, um, you started your own, I guess, freelance business at 16. What sort of inspired that journey? I don't know. I, th- I think it all comes from my, from my mother who, who used to just really instill into me, um, you know, work hard. If you want to become yes. something one day, you've got to have that vision. And I've always lived by the motto, um, you, life is drawing without an eraser. I've had that motto yes. since I was about I 16. And I just, um, yeah, I just wanted to work. I wanted to be my own boss. Uh, couldn't, couldn't do that. <laughs> 16 years of age, but I tried in the evenings and well, here I am. <laughs> and um, so was that in um, graphic design? Did you say you're a freelancer as a graphic designer? Yes. So I did sketches for people. Um, I tried to do logos. If I look at the yeah. logos that I did, you know, I was 16. I, no comment, but oh, I, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, general graphic design work. Yes. And um, tell us, so what did you want to be growing up? Did you want to always be a creative? Did you want to be in branding? Or was there something else you were more focused on? Actually, the complete opposite. I, I've always had an interest in everything, um, stars and planets. Um, I, I wanted to be an astronaut. I, I don't know where that came from and why. But yeah. um, my father had this massive telescope when I was when I was younger. Like it was about one and a half meters in length and it was massive and he used to let me look through it um, and search for the planets and that was from about I think 12 or 13 years of age and from that day when I first looked through that telescope I thought I wanted to be an astronaut I wanted to be on that planet and you know research stars and everything I don't know where that came from really because it was sort of be an astronaut but I want to be a creative I don't know there was no way of combining those two, so <laughs> I went for it. Uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and, um, and so you, um, you wanted to be an astronaut. Um, 
did that kind of, is that still on the cards at some stage? Did you still have that fascination with space? Yes, I've I've always had that fascination. That will never go away. Will I ever be an astronaut? I don't think so. But I, I do have my little in the evenings where I uh, go lie on the grass and just have a look at the stars. I don't have a telescope. They're very expensive. But, yeah, yes. everything, everything, planets and stars, I, I love it. Awesome. And um, so, really, I guess as a creative, I think I always like to think that creatives have a have a sixth sense. So when you're working with a client, you're trying to get on the same page as them in terms of their branding, how do you find you uh, are able to sort of enter the client's headspace and sort of, you know, create branding that aligns with them? Or perhaps you could share what some of the roadblocks are that you might share, um, sorry, that you might experience with some clients? I think it's very important to link with clients. Um, to be on the same wavelength as clients. And in order to do that, you need to listen. Um, So the advice that I always give clients if they look for a designer is you need to find a designer that that listens. Um, You need to have that sort of open relationship with your client. So it it starts with listening to what the client wants. And then obviously because we are the professionals, we can then take that advice and um, sort of mold it into what will work and what will be best yeah. for the client's business. Um, so I think the roadblocks that I, I sometimes um, get when it cl- comes to interacting with clients is clients that that have their set ideas um, mm. and they don't want to nudge away from that. Um, they don't always understand that we are the professionals. So yes. it's best to take uh, on board what, what we recommend would work. Um, so I think I think that's it, it's so it's it's a two way street. Clients need to listen, but the designer also needs to listen. Very important. There needs to be yeah, an so understanding. Designer and the client. Yes. Some more of a collaborative approach. Yes, I'd say collaborative approach. Yes, but the client also, in some cases, needs to learn to let go just a little bit um, in order to give the designer space and freedom to um you know do their job and create um what it is that you obviously paying the designer to do yeah so i think something that you've um touched on there is um very true for business owners i myself have experiences in that we really do struggle to let go um why do you think that is i've got no clue Look, if, if you like a certain color, then you like a certain color. Um, if you yeah. like pink and I say, oh, blue is the better color, that's, then that's, it's not going to work. We're going to clash heads. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. The people have their certain preferences and it's hard to let go of, of whatever you like. Um, but eventually clients do come around, some clients, and um, yes. they – realize that it's it's best to just follow the advice that the designer gives yes definitely and um so you've just redone the designs to your perth logo for us and i know um we had a very collaborative approach with that and uh what was so interesting is that the um icon came to me on the ski oak at gym and then i shared it with you and you had a very similar uh actual sketch which was quite profound so I guess as a creator, do you find, and I know you've um, touched on this briefly in the past, in that you are an empath, um, and do you find that that um, helps with your creativity? Perhaps for our listeners, you could explain what an empath is. Um, Yeah, let let me me start with what an empath is. So an empath is basically someone that um, 
let's say had an adult perhaps in their earlier sort of life or when they were younger it's a very unpredictable adult and um that adult sort of caused you to be on on high alert constantly um which which wasn't a good thing um but that that sort of uh, created this this thing in your mind that you need to always be very finely attuned to people's emotions where yes. they're going what are they doing how are they feeling why um <clears throat> so because i grew up in in sort of that scenario uh, i've sort of developed that i don't want to say sixth sense but it's it's yeah. uh, it's an extra sort of i want to say enhanced feeling for other people's sort of vibes emotion and and what they're thinking so if i if i for example talk to a client and i present to them logos or whatever it's the it's the fine sort of facial expressions or the little vibe that i get from that client that immediately says it's a yes or it's a no without the client even needing to say it um yeah. that's why i usually prefer to rather speak to a client face to face um instead of them sending me a brief or something because you can't really see emotions in an email it's yeah. it's rather it's better to interact with the client one on one um and present yes. to them one on yeah okay so do you say that most of our um communication is done non-verbally so again like you say you kind of you have that extra layer of reading someone's uh, facial gestures or you know uh, i'm probably the worst <laughs> Can't help my facials, but yeah, it's, it gives you a true indication as to how, you know what that person might be thinking. Some people are good at hiding it, not myself, but um. <laughs> yeah. Um, so look, it's, it's it's very important to to understand someone's emotions, especially the clients, um, because if they like, like like we said, if they're very set on a certain idea, you can immediately you can immediately see that your ideas that you're trying to push to the client that are maybe completely opposite to what they really wanted. It's, it's good to have that extra bit of sensitivity um, in your mind to understand, all right, I'm pushing too hard. Let me take on board what the client's concerns are and see how I can sort of find, meet the client in the middle. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's good to, to be sensitive in that way and to, sort of be on the same wavelength as as the client because that's basically in the end of the day how we all operate right it's basically yes. wavelengths brain brain waves and and vibes and all of that and i think that's why yeah. the dsp logo was was so much fun to do because you get your inspiration in gym um <laughs> yeah. i get my inspiration as well i've got my treadmill at the back there so um yes. but it was quite fun because you sent me a sketch and it was when I looked at it, I was like, "Did Tracy copy me?" I immediately yeah. ran to my and I, and I looked at my sketch, and I thought, "These are exactly the same." That's our logo. This is going to work. Yeah. We've both had the same idea. Yeah, definitely a sign. Um, because I'm a firm believer in energy and how we can pick up on each other's, you know, vibes. Some people hate that expression. Um, but yeah, it all comes down to energy and being on that wavelength. And I think one thing I loved about you, I know I did really pushed with the design CEO Perth logo, but you really took that on board um, and embraced it and really, you know, pushed to create boundaries. Um, when it comes to that, really, have you got any tips or advice for our listeners, how you do, do you know, do um, take that on and actually uh, implement, you know, on that in a design, um, you know, in, a, in designing a logo, for example? Do you mean uh, the comments from you regarding the initial sketches? Yes, yeah, so 
And um, so someone is pushing you to, you know, they want more from you in terms of design work and you're like, oh, my gosh, well, this is where I'm at. What do you sort of, you know, do you use meditation? Do you find you kind of um, take time out and sort of, you know, get your creativity flowing? Do you have any strategies that you use to kind of help you push things to that next level? So don't don't mind the eyebrow, um, but I, it, it had to be raised a little bit when I heard the DSP revisions. But it, we ended up with a <laughs> we ended up with an awesome design. Um, you yeah. know, and at the end of the day, you did push me, and that's a good thing. Um, some clients do tend to push, and they keep on pushing, and it's. It's not a bad thing because at the end of the day, you you end up with something that might look even better than the first draft. Um, yeah. So yes, I'm a strong believer of you know pushing people um, to their next level. It's very important to level up. Um, yeah. And I think with the DSP logo, for example, um, you did like a lot of the concepts. Um, I did. Yes. The one day you loved, and the next day, oh, I don't like it. Okay, you didn't say it in in, in those words, but. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but if I compare what we have now to, to the first yeah. logos that you like, we have really labeled labeled up. And that wouldn't have yeah. happened if you didn't push me a little bit farther. Just a, just a little bit, really. Maybe do a little bit tweaking here. And can you maybe do that a little bit? And it really helped. So I'm a firm yeah. believer of uh, pushing into the next level. It's it's a good thing. Um some clients can can maybe push it a bit too far, um, and I think that's important to then understand a line needs to be drawn at some stage, yeah. especially yeah. when it comes to revisions and the amount of options and concepts. Yes, otherwise it can just go on forever and ever, I think. Yeah, I actually had a client a number of years ago, um, and it was a very simple logo that I needed to do, but yes. the client she wanted to see more and more. And obviously this was sort of, I want to say at the beginning of my freelance career, that was after leaving my tenure at uh, the design firm. Um, yes. I wanted to impress, you know, can't say no to clients. And I think I ended up with about 27 um, logo concepts um, oh. of which she didn't like any of them actually. Yeah. Uh, wow. At the end of the day, we went back to the very first one. So Hard yes. Do you find that happens a lot? Like a lot of clients will maybe question the first concept and then you do go on this, you know, roundabout where you try different, you know, you look at different concepts and then they end up going uh, for the first one in the, anyways. Yes, that, that happens yeah. quite a lot. But I think I think a good tip um, for mm. any creative that that's starting out, because this, this usually happens um, at, I want to say at the start of a designer's career. They want to impress. Yeah. Uh, obviously, some clients can see that. They can see that you're perhaps a new designer. You're going to want to impress them. So a lot yes. of clients, I want to say, I don't want to say abuse that, um, abuse it, but yeah. they do request more and more options from that sort of designer, a new designer. So I think a good tip would be to lay down or set out boundaries from the very start. That's great. You only give the, this amount of concepts and you only do this amount of edits or revisions. If you yes. have your set rules from the start, then you've got nothing to worry about. But if, if you do not have those rules or those boundaries 
or those, you know, everything set out in the beginning, then you can't blame the client if they do ask you for 27 options. Um, so that's a good tip. Um, just, just have have your uh, formal discussion with the client upfront on mm-hmm. what it is that you're going to do and what they can expect um, in terms of yeah. how many concepts, how many edits, etc. Yeah, and I think you've touched on something really important there. I think it's just about managing those expectations. Everyone's um, on the same page as humans, we assume. So it's really good to have those conversations up front um, with the client. How about um, on the flip side of that, for our for clients or people who are thinking of rebranding their business, have you got any tips or advice around how they go about choosing a design agency or how they um, choose a designer that they would potentially like to work with? Yes, I, I'd say it's very, very important to first look at portfolios. So if yeah. you are market for a designer because you're going to rebrand or you start seeing a business um, because those two are basically very similar, you're going to end up with a new logo or some form of new branding. It's very important that when you go out on, let's say on Facebook or Instagram and you find a new designer um, to request a portfolio. Look at their previous work, um, interact with them, um, perhaps get on a phone call, because it's very important that you find a designer that has the style that you like. Um, You find a designer that communicates well, um, because you don't want to end up with a designer that um, is going to either not ask any questions or they're going to ask too many questions. Um, you need to, again, it boils down to the vibe that you get from the designer. There needs to be a link between you two. There needs to be an understanding. So I'd say start with um, portfolio work, see how uh, their stuff looks, if it's good enough. Um, I think that's that's the most important thing. And then obviously you can go over to pricing. Um, obviously there's a wide range of, of uh, different prices for different designers, but um, see if you can find a designer that works within your budget. Um, but also, again, if you go too cheap, you might get very cheap sort of design. So just clients need to be mindful of that. The higher-end designers will charge more, but what you get will obviously be years of experience, um, which is a good thing. Yes. And also in terms of the value that that adds to your business. So I'm a firm believer, like you get what you pay for, regardless of whether that's, uh, you know, shoes or branding or whatever the case may be. Um, But when someone is charging a certain price point, there's usually that value associated with it. And all those years of experience, you know, Um, there's a saying that I absolutely can't stand is um, that starving artist, you know, saying where they say, you know, it's um, starving art, they have, we eat baked beans, baked beans on toast. How does that sit with you? And, um, you know, I think it's great to see um, designers or creators that are making a living out of their art or out of their creativity. What's your thoughts on that, Rudy? Well, firstly, I hate baked beans. Like, never. Baked beans. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's, it isn't easy to, uh, to start your own business. It's, it, you, no, you're no. throwing yourself into the deep end. Uh, like yes. I, I was comfortable at the ten year, you know, job that I was in. I got a salary. Um, so the, deciding to leave all of that and just jump completely into the deep end, where I'm, the buck stops with me. The buck yeah. starts and stops with me. Sort of. There's a saying like that. 
Um, yes. That was that was quite hard. And and immediately yes. I thought, oh my gosh, uh, month end came, there was no salary. So <laughs> who's going to pay the car? Who's going to? But you know yeah. what? Because I started early, and because I already had that mindset of what you need to do in business. Because I mean, I mean, I ran my clothing brand in the evening, so I know. Yeah. I knew what to do in order to make that work. I didn't have a boss there. I was my own boss. But a lot of people obviously don't have that experience. So it is difficult um, to start your own business and make it work. But I'd say I'd say it, if you decide to do that, you've, you've got to make sure that you have at least some money put away first. Um, yeah, it will cover you for a few months if you do decide to go freelancing. And just go out on your own. You have to have those savings. It's very, very important because yes, it's yes. not guaranteed you're going to have clients immediately when you start freelancing. Um, no. And planning, and planning is very important. So yeah, starving artists. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's yeah. It, it all boils down to how 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 much planning you put into before you start that journey. I guess. Yes, yeah. So when I first went out, I think I saved for a while, um, had a little nest egg, and I thought if all um, doesn't work out, you know, if I scares the bird, if shit hits the fan, <laughs> I have something to fall back on. But I think having that little nest egg kind of took the the pressure off a bit. Having you know, because I mean, at the end of the day, it's expensive to be alive, right? So you need to pay your mortgage, pay your car, and like you say, the um, the buck starts and stops with you. So if you don't, you know make the effort, get out there, network, uh, there's not going to be any income coming in. So I find business owners do have a very high risk appetite and it's very brave. I mean, you know, you've got one hand where you can have, you know, the stability of a, a job and you sort of have that guaranteed income, although it might be peanuts, you know, you at least have some guarantee. Whereas when you have your own business, you are um, you are taking that high risk. But at the end of the day, there is that um, potential reward on either side. But as you mentioned, it does take a lot of hard yards to actually get there. Yeah, it does. A lot of, lots was, of pain. <clears throat> and lots of crying and tears. <laughs> Hard work. <laughs> um, there was something else I wanted to touch on, I think, in terms of uh, finding a, a branding agency or designer to work with, is um, that, you know, uh, business owners need to be aware of actually getting their vector file and a brand style guide. Um, perhaps, Rudy, you can walk us through what exactly a vector file is and um, how a brand style guide can actually save a business owner so much time, money, and energy. Yeah. Uh, look, a vector file in, in simple terms is basically a, a, a design. Uh, let's let's use a logo, for example. Um, oh. It's a format that that you can use to stretch your logo or resize it to any size you want without it losing quality, uh, without it having any sort of blurriness, pixelation. Um, that is basically, in a nutshell, what a what a vector file is. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty, but you can use it on any format, and it can be edited. Whereas, if you use a file, let's say from a, from Photoshop, which is in a nutshell, then basically a an image that is flat. Um, yeah, you can't do much with that. So, if if you get a logo that is not in a vector format. Um, and is rather in just a flat JPEG uh, that is normal image sort of format, um, you're not going to be able to do much with it. Um, you're not going to be able to stretch it. Your designer is not going to be able to edit it, change the colors or whatever. So yeah. super, super 
important that if you go to a designer and you, um, let's say you want to do business cards or you want the designer to do a website for you, um, it's important that you have a vector file of your logo on hand that you can give to the designer because they're going to need to use it. They're going to need to tweak it. Um, they're going to need to do a lot of stuff with that logo. Um, so vector format, really, really important. Style guide, yeah. um, in a nutshell, again, it's it's just a summary of your current branding. Um, you get various uh, types of style guides you, from, from your brand style sheet, which is just an A4 page with just a little bit of info, um, to your brand style guide, which has got obviously a, quite a few extra pages, and then your branding Bible, which is obviously massive, and it's got everything yeah. about your company. Now, what a brand style sheet is, for example, is – it just explains what your specific brand colors are, what your specific fonts are. This is how your logo looks. This is where the icon is. That's where the wording is. That's in a nutshell what a brand style sheet would be. And a brand yes. style guide is, is an extension of that where we tell you how not to use the logo. And what you would use the brand style guides for or brand style sheets is basically if you – go to another design agency or you go to a printer. Um, yeah. That is the, basically a set of rules that they know they need to use for anything they design for you. If you don't yeah. have a brand style guide and let's say you you had a green, a specific green color in, in your logo, if you didn't have a brand style guide that, that had the codes or the color breakdown of that specific green, then the next designer could decide to change that green to a brighter green, which would then happened. change your Yeah. Sorry? I said, and that happens, you know, because there's no foundation in place. So whoever's working with the brand just kind of wings it or adds another font. And, yeah. you know, so it's really important. And I see a lot of big businesses that don't have a brand style guide and it's already gone from signage to uniform and no one along that journey has stopped them and said like where is your vector file I, I like to describe it as a shape file and the mother of all files because without it you're kind of screwed um and also you know like the the brand style guide it creates cohesion across various marketing platforms web prints and social media so again it's you know you're not being charged for the signage person to do one brand style for the uniform uniform sorry person to do another kind of style so super super important yeah, it's, it's similar to, uh, let's say, uh, a brand has got specific uniforms. It's yeah. a specific blue uniform and it's got the logo here on the left side. Um, that is uh, basically the same in a, in a brand style guide. This is your logo. This is your font. This is your color. If, if mm. there was no direction on this is the clothing you need to wear, everyone would just wear whatever color uniform and it would look all over the place. So, yeah. yes, some clients prefer not to go that route and, and, and get a brand style guide because it, it is a few extra, um, you know, a bucks added onto the logo. But at the end of the day, it saves you a lot of time in having to explain to another designer or to a printer that this is the <laughs> color I have to use. Um, and it, yes. it creates a consistency throughout all your branding, which is super important. Yeah. Definitely. And everyone moves away from Comic Sans or Ariel. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> um, so, really, walk us through. What's the um, craziest thing you've ever had to design or what's the most unusual thing you've been requested to design? Um, well, I've got one example that you sent me, but I'll, I'll first start with one many years ago. 
Um, yeah. I wouldn't say there's something odd that are or unusual that I had to design. I just I got very odd requests from certain yeah. clients, uh, or not requests, uh, odd expectations. Let's let's mm. put it that way. Um, yeah. Obviously, I can't mention uh, company names, but um, many years ago, I, I dealt with this massive, massive international client, and they didn't quite seem to understand that I don't physically print myself. Um, oh. And there's a process to, um, to design. So, and, yes. and it takes a certain time to design. And, and the printing process also takes a certain time. You know, it needs its own sort of time frame. Um, wow, so yeah. This client, yeah, this client sent me a brief. Uh, it was, I think, the Monday morning. Um, it was to design an annual report, uh, I think a 55 page or something. It's, it's quite a thick, um, you know, annual report. And they sent it to me the morning. They said, can can they have the design by lunchtime? And then oh, wow. I said, that's fine. Obviously, it's a massive client. Okay. Um, I had to do it, right? Um, then the next morning, um, I hear the bell ring at the gate and it's the client. I don't know why the clients did. They didn't have a we didn't have a meeting or whatever. So obviously I open up the gate. They yeah. park in front of me, open up their boot, and they ask me, so where are the boxes? They literally thought that I the designing and the printing, everything, I I don't know where they thought it it was gonna fall out. But oh. <laughs> yes. So that's why it's so super important to also educate clients on your process yes, and definitely. timelines. Yeah. Don't, uh, and a lot of designers make this mistake. You should never assume yeah. that the client knows something. Um, no. You're experts, so we would know, but explain to the client how long it will take to design the logo, how long it will take for the business cards to be printed. Inform yeah. the clients about this. It's very, very important. Or those yes. those uh, those processes, rather. Yeah, especially if you're doing custom design because, uh, you know, if you sort of just, um, you know, if you're custom designing something, again, there's that whole additional time frame that it takes as opposed to just downloading a template or uh, free pick or something and updating it. So, yeah, super important to educate our clients um, on the process. Oh, and the second example, I did say I'm going to oh, mention yeah. the second example. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> was it, I believe, a, was it a swimwear brand? Yes. Yeah, it was a wee brand. Swimwear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I I told Tracy that um, it's best that when images or examples of, um, you know, get sent around that just warn someone up front. I think Tracy was in a, in a mad rush. No problem Probably. at all. I got this brief and it was really, yeah. um, we need to do similar. It's the actual print patterns, I, I believe. It was the print patterns yeah. that I wanted to copy or, or re have redone or something like that. Not the actual pattern of the bikini. So in any yeah. case, I get this brief and it's, it's a word file. And I thought, I, I think, okay, cool. I believe there's images in here for me to look at. So I open up this word file and it's just full on. Very up close, uh, bikini way. Very zoomed in, bikini way. You see the fabric. <laughs> see the fabric, yes. 
And the lesson learned there was um, next time when I get such a brief, just I need to close my windows behind me <laughs> because the gardener at that stage walked past and he just saw whatever I needed to zoom into and then wasn't impressed. <laughs> Oh, so I thought all the all the um the new drawings you know, at art school would have prepped you. So sorry about that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so tell us, uh, bikinis aside, uh, what else do you enjoy doing outside um, being a creative? Oh, I love cooking. Love cooking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I like I like very elaborate dishes, I, and I think that's also where the creativity again comes in. Um, yeah, like I'm not just going to make a steak and you know potatoes, and I don't want my plate to look boring or anyone else's plate. So I like to make food that is really a mixture of, of stuff, and and I like to explore flavors. Um, so I've got my own little um, you know grinding wheel thingy. I forgot the name. Uh, to make my own spices, uh, I make my own oh, pasta. Sometimes, um, pretzel. Is it like exactly the awesome that? Yeah, yeah, nice, great. I've got one. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's like a stone oh, yes. one, actually. It's, it's yes. very authentic. So yeah, yeah. Um, make my own spices. Uh, make my own pasta. I've got this vintage sort of pasta um, roller thing, which I really love. Um, all yeah, that. so I just. To just make my own stuff, and and um, I, I love the reactions of people afterwards. Again, it's I think it's that's where creativity also comes in. It's similar to creating a logo. I like to see people's reactions when they get the design. So similar, yeah. in a dish that I provide. <laughs> well, and do you have a particular dish that you enjoy making? I love chili con con. I don't know if you oh, like chili. Yeah, I do. Chili I love chili. Uh, yeah, yeah I've, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of uh, becoming a little bit more of a, I want to say vegetarian, actually more pescatarian. So I'm, I'm okay. sort of uh, dropping red meats uh, slowly but surely. So chili con con yeah. is obviously got it's got mince in. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm teaching myself the vegetarian version of chili con con, which is, which is not nice. bad. Yeah. Mm. And um, so when you say cutting out red meat, is that just for a lifestyle change? Because I have heard a lot of great things about cutting out red meat um, from one's diet. Yeah. Let's say it's a lifestyle change. There's just, there's yeah. just uh, I've got a few reasons why I'd rather drop that and drop it really quickly. Um, yes. But uh, pescatarian, I, I believe, if correct me if I'm wrong, is someone that still eats fish, right? I believe. Yes. Yeah, so you predominantly fish in your diet. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I um hearing you speak about chili. I uh, I just met Don and uh, we went on a date. We went to a Thai place and I ordered it. Is it a tom yum where they have like super chili? I was like, yeah, make it spicy, go for it. <laughs> and no. there was so much on it that my lips started swelling. It looked like I had Botox. I think it was only like we were dating maybe six weeks or so. But you know, in your whole face, like my whole bottom of my face was like glowing. So I love chili, but not that extreme anymore. <laughs> Yeah, those can be really, really spicy. Uh, and spicy, I love Indian, any sort of Indian food. 
Yes. Yeah. Same. Also enjoy it. Like I said, Don, not so much. Slowly converting him, um, but yeah, I really enjoy it. And um, really, so tell us, what's the um, the craziest thing or the bravest thing that you've ever done? Well, I'm I'm not the type of person that's gonna bungee jump ever in my life or uh, <laughs> jump in. I, I can't okay. deal with uh, height. So I'd say the craziest thing I've ever done was a five day water fast. Um, well, sir. Was quite quite intense, um, but it worked. Great results from yeah. it. Yeah. And um, the for the fast, I just want to add on that I did not get results from just one water fast. You have to do yeah. it a few times, and obviously stick to a good diet in between and exercise. So, how often do you do them, or did you do them? Uh, I did it for three months. Okay. About yeah, three or four months, and I did it every every second week. I did wow. uh, between a three day and a five day water fast because the five day yeah. is really it's really intense. But it's yeah, it's, it's quite it's uh, amazing how your body sort of uh, you would think that after one day of not eating any food you would completely collapse, but it's it's actually completely the opposite. You. You get so much energy and clarity of mind. It's 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 really amazing, actually. And then by day three, you you are so pumped with energy. It's oh, it's actually it weird. Got no food in your body, no. but you ready to go. Yeah, I am. I'm a big fan of fasting. Um, a lovely lady, Paloma from my team, going to have on the show um, at some stage. She got me into fasting and, of course, making some lifestyle changes. So, um, yeah, I stopped blaming my um, big bone structure and my genetics and started implementing fasting and watch, watching what I eat and going to the gym. And it's worked wonders. And I've actually heard, and again, I could be wrong, but it's, you know, once your body um, has had a break from having so much food, so I think it's like, is it uh, three days in, you actually start reproducing like stem cells. Whereas if you're not, yeah. like your body's constantly filled with foods so and you don't get a chance um, at what your body goes into. So I think it's a 16-hour 16, uh, 16 and 8-hour, um, sounds terrible, sounds like we had a feeding window. <laughs> um, but your body, <laughs> after that 16 hours, goes into autophagy where it actually releases all the toxins and um, gets rid of, you know, the cells that aren't serving your body anymore. So it's actually fascinating how, how it works. Um, but, yeah, five days is intense. Oh, my gosh. I would love to do it, but I'd uh, maybe give it a go over Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. The autopathy. Is it autopathy? Yes. Um, yes. Um, I think that's what you say it. Yeah. They also say that your body is basically eating itself. Okay. <laughs> Sounds, Sounds terrible, great. It's just it's actually using up the cells that are dead. And yeah, necessary more. You're basically it's a re, is it rejuvenating from the inside out? I told my mom yeah. when I did the five day water fast. I was like day four, mom, my body is starting to eat itself. Like it's the devouring itself now. But I just That's I really true. turned on the drama. I really turned on the yeah. drama. I was like mom, I feel so weak. Uh, it's it, I'm eating myself. She got oh, my word. Oh, so the the and I'm like calm down. It's not yes. that bad. <laughs> and then I guess when you start eating again, like after the five days, do you have to like like have small meals or do you just go, like do you find you just go to town or what, what do you sort of do after those five days? Well, after the first uh, attempt at water fasting, I think the first one I could do about three days. Um, yeah. Afterwards, I was, 
I was super hungry, obviously, um, because your mind knows that you're nearing the end of this water fast. So then yeah. all of a sudden you become hungry. Um, so I, I immediately bought a burger and chips. Bad, bad uh, idea. Um, yeah. Yes. So the second time I um, made myself very simple sort of soup. Um, mm. It was more watery sort of soup um, and a small yogurt and that was it. And you're, because you, you can't, you can't shock your, your stomach like I did the first time. You have to ease yeah. into it. Otherwise, yeah. very, 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 very sick. Um, totally. And yeah, so I, that's what I did. And I, I found also afterwards that the 16 hour, eight hour fasting, intermittent fasting is also a very, very yeah. good idea. Um, yeah. to stay out and still lose weight. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, it's worked wonders. And I find if I do, like I don't eat McDonald's or any of that anymore because when I if I do, I feel so ill. And I think as your body moves into an optimum state and then when you are eating junk food, um, it just it's just not worth it. Yeah, exactly. And um, Rudy, so tell us, do you have any um, quotes that you sort of live by or anything that sort of motivates you on those days or on the roller coaster that we all ride, um, you know, being humans? Do you have anything that kind of pushes you through on those tough days or on the good days? Are there any sort of um, daily rituals that you have as part of your day? Uh, yeah, like mentioned uh, earlier, a life is drawing without an eraser. If you've got that yeah. mindset, it, you have to go. Um you can't, you know, stop questioning uh, your sort of ideas and, and the plans you've got for your life. Just just go. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we, we all have a certain set of time uh, on this earth. So um, yeah. life is drawing without a razor. Uh, and there was one saying, I think it was by, by Sher, actually, where she said, ah. I'd rather, instead of saying, shit, should I do this? Rather say, rather do it, and then then you can say, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Rather. <laughs> yeah, I think it's another one. Um, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. <laughs> so, uh, oh. so, yeah, meditation is uh, really important for me as well. I, I've only recently started with it. I'm still struggling okay. a little bit, but um, I've noted that it really, really helps. Just Just having that yeah. sort of... I mean, it can be five minutes. It can be ten minutes. It really doesn't matter. It's 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 up to you, um, but it really helps just to clear the mind okay. for the day, um, because I mean, we're also uh, conditioned um, waking up in the morning and then all of a sudden you just want to scroll. Your finger just needs right. to, you know, yeah, Instagram. That's the last thing that you should do. And I've noted um, if I wake up and I don't do that, and I immediately start my routine of you yes. know, affirmations and meditation and all of that, your day really yes, starts yeah. off right foot. It does. Yeah, I do the same. Otherwise, I find I'm just in like reaction mode the whole time. So, you know, if you pick up your phone the minute you open your eyes, it goes straight into emails, um, which I used to do, mm -hmm. not anymore. It definitely just puts you in a different frame of mind for the day and it just feels like you're constantly reacting the entire day. So it's great that you yeah. have those, um, you know, daily rituals as well. Yeah. What, what's your daily rituals? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I have 
have a, um, a very religious morning routine. So usually, you know, during the summer, I wake up at five. Um, I always start my morning with journaling. Um, I pray and I meditate. The meditation did take me a little while um, because I find my, my mind goes 160 miles an hour. But I think with anything, the more you kind of do it, the more you get used to it as well. Um, and then for, after that, I will then go um, to gym. And, uh, yeah, that's where my, my day starts. And I find just from a um, – you know, emotional well-being point of view, that really helps settle me for the day and, um, you know, helps me kickstart the day on the, on the right foot. Yeah. Have you ever watched um, Eat, Pray, Love? Yes, I have. Love that movie. There's, a, there's that one part where Julia Roberts uh, tries to meditate. Um, yes. What was it? <laughs> the eyes and then the clock says, I think, 9 o'clock. Or, no, it says, yeah, like 9.01 uh, in the morning and then she, she's like yeah. feeling and she's you can see very irritated. And when she opens her eyes, it's 9.02. And so yeah. <laughs> that happened uh, to yeah. me in the beginning. Of time. time just went really, really slow. <laughs> it does. I actually did a float. Um, so you're in like a tank and then you're afloat for an hour and it felt like oh, wow. the longest hour of my life. So you go in this magnesium up in the tank. It's only like sort of ankle deep. And then you lie because yeah. of the density water you floats in there and uh, oh my gosh it probably took me a good I want to say half an hour to really try get into it but then it's like you kind of lose sense of gravity because you you're floating um but being alone by yourself with your thoughts is it's good and bad but you know just to actually have that that still time um and just really center yourself and I, after the hour I was so tired um, I think because it's probably yeah. that one of the first few times where you've just actually really stopped and you can't go on your phone, you can't go on your laptop, you just it's you alone in this tank. Um, you know, which wow. which was great. So yeah. Is it one of those very, tanks where they turn off all the lights or it's completely dark inside? Oh well, yeah, you can have a few options. Um, so you can either you can have it completely dark. I can't do that because um, I imagine all the ghosts around me. <laughs> or you can have uh, the top of the ceiling's got like all these beautiful lights. So I had that on, and then you can either have it with meditation music, or you can have it completely silent. But I couldn't think of anything where it's been in a dark room silent. So yeah, I think it would be quite daunting. So I normally have it with the music on and then with the lights on. And it's a really beautiful environment. Um, so I go to Ozone Wellness um, in Perth. And, uh, yeah, it's really, really great. There. That's awesome. I'm going to definitely yeah. try that out because I think it's a good break from all the noise um, that we have in our, you know, day-to-day -day life. Because we, we yes. get so used to this little bubble that we live in. Um, we do. We have to do something like, I think something like that would be good. So I'm going to definitely try that. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's um, At first, it feels really, really weird. But again, if you keep going, it's really like the health benefits are great. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a go. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> That's all right. Hope you're ready. And um, so, Rudy, with Design Studio Perth, you help, um, you know, oversee our graphic design team. When you uh, have you got any tips, I guess, for any anyone that's stepping into a leadership role or, or any any tools that you can share with the listeners? Well, look, not, not, not everyone can manage a team. Um, mm. you've really, you really need to have that certain mindset that, yes, you will be managing them, you will be guiding them, um, but it's super important that um, you also assist them in growing. Um, and it's a journey that you're both walking together. It's not I'm your boss and, you know, it's similar to me and you. Um, yeah. You yeah. sort of 
treat all your staff in such a professional way, but it's it's not you're not cracking the whip at every second. Yeah. We the constantly bad. feel like we constantly feel like we're growing, and we, you know, you, we, you've, we've got an open relationship with you, and I think that's yeah. important. If if you're in a leadership role, you've got to have an open relationship with the people that report to you in in some sense. Um, yeah. Because if you, if you keep on cracking the whip and you're just all over the place, like I'm the boss and I'm this and that, it'll never work. Because no. the staff will lose. Well, the people below you will lose interest in in supporting you as their manager at the end of the day. Yeah. But like I said, also, not everyone has that leadership sort of, um, I want to say, skill set um, because it's it's, yeah. it's it's different. You need to you need to know how to talk to people that um, at the end of the day you're going to critique their work. Yes, hmm. definitely. And um, guys, in case you're wondering, we have a crow on the fence that wasn't invited to the podcast, but they have joined. So excuse the crow in the background. <laughs> uh, anyway, just adding their five cents on branding. <laughs> um, really, so I know you and I are going to be hosting a webinar, um, you know, in the next uh, couple of months. Did you want to um, talk to our listeners about that? Oh, well, I can say it's going to be super, super exciting. Um, Awesome. It's going to be live. We're going to, we're going to take questions. We're going to answer anything you want to know about uh, branding, design, yeah. maybe even printing. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome. So I, I think just start preparing your questions, and when you get that first mail, just just book your seat. Just book your seat and just come have fun. It's really going to be a fun um, session. Definitely. It's um, definitely come up, coming from a point of view of branding exposed and educating our, our audience and our clients on, you know, why branding is so important and the value that it actually adds to your business as well. Um, already, thank you so much for your time. Any final thoughts that you want to leave us with before we jump off? If any of you need design work done at the design studio of birth, <laughs> com.au. That's where you need to go. It's the best branding company in, uh, in Perth. That's it. Just in oh, all of Australia. You. We're not actually global. We're not biased at all. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say, Nick. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> and profile as well. And your brand style guide. So, you're fully um, equipped for moving forward. And thanks for starting this amazing podcast, Tracy. I think it's really, really good. Awesome Thank you. Um, I think it's it's going to be really good. So people need to tune in uh, every month um, to watch the new podcast. Yes, looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in putting myself outside my comfort zone. So, um, yeah, watch this space. And I've got a great lineup of guests that are coming on the show. And, uh, you know, it's just the beautiful humans that I've met along the way. And uh, they're going to be sharing their, their golden nuggets. So thank you so much, Rudy. Well, for our listeners, you can follow Rudy at the Design Studio Perth um, Instagram or our LinkedIn page as well. Thanks, Rudy. Chat soon. Bye, Tracy.